0: Morning. Red ten standing by. Red nine standing by. Red three standing by. Red six standing by. Good night. Standing by.
1: You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment
0: reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This
1: is it. He laser
0: us. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts Tom and William. Today, we're going to be discussing Pirate's Price, a novel about, I mean, I think we all know him, we all love him. He's the most famous, the most infamous pirate in all of the galaxy. But he doesn't even know what that word means. No, he doesn't. Doesn't, does not. It's minor details. Pirate or infamous. (laughs) Uh, And Um. we are, of course, referring to the one and only Han Solo. Uh, So yeah, let's, uh, we ready to get this started? I'm good. It's a a different Han.
2: Doe. Onaka. oh jeez. yes we're reviewing star wars pirates price from the flight of the falcon series it was written by lou anders and illustrated by annie Wu. and the synopsis is an interesting one it's actually written in first person uh and uh according to the publisher uh and it goes hello my friends it is i hondo anaka greatest pilot in the galaxy hero of the rebellion and if you believe that Obi-Wan Kenobi guy, a villain too. But what did he know? I'm here to tell you stories of the most amazing ship, the Millennium Falcon, including my very first time on board and a few occasions when I actually flew the Falcon myself. And I did a great job of it too. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Oh, there might be a familiar Wookiee in these stories. And that Han Solo guy. He has a way of popping up. And some of the people you may know. And some you may not. So hang tight, because this adventure is traveling at light speed. It's gonna be... A wild ride, and boy, was it! Um, you know, f- this book is 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 targets a bit younger uh, readers. I would say it's um maybe slightly younger than the Jedi Apprentice books from back I don't in the know, day. I wouldn't go quite that far. No, no?
1: I wouldn't go that far either.
2: I, I'm not Jedi was... Apprentice level. It was really <laughs> good, though. It was fantastic.
1: How about we put it this way? How about it was in line with the, the show Rebels? Whatever age group that's skewed to is how this book skewed yeah. to as well. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I would agree.
2: I mean, so so I'll, I'll preface this. You guys read it, right? Yes. Okay. Sh- yes. Okay. Because I, I did not read the book. Instead, okay, so do I tell. listened... How do you know about the book there, William? I listened to the audiobook because somehow I completely missed this. I don't know how this slipped by me, but... Pirates Price is actually narrated by none other
0: than Jim Cummings, the voice of Hondo Anaka. What? And I don't. Well, I'm, I don't know about Tom at least, but I even as I was reading it, it was narrated by Hondo Anaka. Well, I totally agree. Yeah, it's a two and a half hour. Uh, my Kindle tells me it's a two and a half hour book. Um, like I tend to read quickly, so I figured I would do it in yeah maybe an hour and a half. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's hard to do when you're mental voice is just hondo the entire time <laughs> absolutely and you have to take these extra dramatic pauses you're just like but i want to no i just i need did to you, faster, did you do that fast. in your and mind like, did you do that absolutely. as you're reading it oh it's 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 really hard not to yeah They're not <laughs> <impossible>. <laughs> amazing when
1: when you when you have basically and i will say this when you've grown up with Hondo Anaka going from the Clone Wars into Rebels and you have that voice stuck in your head and then you go, and I will say it, go into Galaxy's Edge and hear the animatronic as well, it's hard to get that voice out of your head when you talk about Hondo.
0: Yeah.
1: And the cadence.
0: Oh, yeah. Because you end up getting the
1: cadence it's, down, too.
0: The cadence more than anything, I think, yes. is the, the true culprit. Yeah. Yep. And and Jim Cummings just does such a
2: brilliant job as as Hondo Anaka. Um in you know pretty much you know, any 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 medium that hondo is in and you know he's he's probably one of my favorite characters from the clone wars mm-hmm. uh and and rebels like you know obviously there's ahsoka and cad bane but i think hondo like he's he's up there melch. um don't forget melch melch is great but he, he's only great because hondo is great well that's like, true. you know and and when I've discovered that Jim Cummings himself narrates the audiobook version in Hondo's voice, it doesn't uh. get much better than that. It really doesn't. Uh, so here, for those of you who, who uh, I played a quick preview of this on the last episode, but for those of you who have not uh, listened to the audiobook, here's a snippet of the very beginning of Pirate's Price. The beginning is, don't worry, there's no spoilers, it's like chapter one. Uh, but here's what uh, this sounds like as Hondo Anaka reads, Pirate's Price.
1: The day started out like so many others. I woke up in a strange spacecraft. I was alone in the cockpit. The control console was smoking and sparking. Crackle, crackle, fizzle spark. Oh, and it seemed that two Imperial TIE fighters were shooting at me. Choo, choo. It was all very exciting. <laughs> How did I get there? I had only the vaguest memory. I recalled something about a party, excitement, and dancing. Oh yes, and a strange drink called Sarlach juice. In hindsight, I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> it is
0: pure gold. It, it's a hundred percent Hondo. Ah, oh, so fun. And it's
2: if you listen to the audiobook, it's five hours of hondo just being hondo straight it's amazing and i'm sure as you as you guys saw like because hondo is is narrating this in the first person he's telling the story uh you know he's actually when when other characters are talking it's hondo talking about how other characters about what it's saying you know repeating what other characters had said and Mm -hmm. so you basically get hondo playing han or Chewbacca. Uh so like Jim Cummings doing Hondo doing, you know, Harrison Ford.
1: <laughs> it's okay. so now, good. Now again, I have got to get a hold of this audiobook. It is so I've got to hear this. Yeah.
2: And you know, as you as you heard, like, you know, it has the Star Wars sound effects, but then Hondo Anaka yep. is doing his own, like, you know, he's like mouthing the sound effects, you know, and making the sounds with his own mouth as as they're actually playing in, in the audiobook. Yeah, the cackle, uh, cackle. Or, that was funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you hear the spark in the background, choo, choo, you know. Or, you know, he's he's like doing a little asides. It is... It was like a pure joy listening to the audiobook. It was five hours in and it never got old.
0: It's impressive. It's... Reading it, it as the same... Like, it's written with Hondo's voice. Mm. It's the only way to describe it. I... Uh, I have to commend the author, you know, Lou Anders, like, yeah, like I said, it's impossible not to read it as Hondo. The inflection is there. The voice is there. It's just perfect. I'm so glad like you heard it like that, too, Mm -hmm. obviously, because, you know,
2: it's a very different experience, but I'm glad that it comes across just as well in written form as it does, uh, you know, with with Jim Cummings doing the actual voice.
1: Yeah, and every once in a while, I'm throwing in, you know, the whole Hondoism, like, ah, da, 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 you know, that kind of <laughs> stuff. As you're reading the book, you are mentally throwing his little Id- idiosyncrasies in there as well, like Stephen said, the cadence and all that. It's like, that made this book so much fun.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And, then, like, this isn't the first time they've had you know, uh, uh, one of the voice actors narrate an audiobook. Uh, for example, Ashley Eckstein Uh, did the Ahsoka book uh, a couple years ago Um, but it's just so perfect it it, it, just like how you kind of had to listen to Ashley Eckstein uh, you know narrating Ahsoka Jim Cummings doing Pirate's Prize is maybe even better
0: Um, it's easily better (laughs) Mm -hmm. easily
1: (laughs) nothing against nothing against actually Ashley Eckstein sorry oh yeah no Jim Cummings I mean yeah it's outstanding like
2: yeah anyway i can't sp- i can't say high. speak highly enough of this i actually listened to the book <clears throat> on my way down actually i should preface this book came out in january um but you know I, there was a bunch of other stuff going on and it was aimed at slightly younger audience my god like, oh, i can read it later it's okay you know even though i love hondo um and i kind of regret not reading it sooner because it's just that good and i saw so but anyway i listened to it on the flight down to um to anaheim to go visit star wars galaxy's edge and it was like the perfect kind of way to to set the stage for my visit to the park um such that you know even when we got to we got there i I felt like i was immersed already in the in black spire steven Mm -hmm.
0: okay so just gonna set the stage this is the book that it's meant to lead up to the millennium falcon ride in galaxy's edge yeah like the you know, uh, the book uh, very at a very high level is Hondo telling the story of how he kind of first encountered Han and Chewie and the Millennium Falcon and what happened thereafter. Uh, and then it very quickly, be- like it ends with Hondo talking about, you know, the Onaka transports, uh, Transport Services, I believe is the name of his yeah. uh, new totally legitimate venture. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and now, now he just needs to find a crew. And, of course, that's us. Yes. Or you, right. Ivan. That will be me. It eventually. will be you. Very. It soon. will be you. Yeah.
2: And um, then at some point it will be us, which uh, yeah, which makes it really cool because it it really does set up the park, and you know obviously there's all the different Galaxy's Edge books tie-in books set up the park in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll get into our review of um, Black Spire and uh, a Crash of Fate uh, closer to the release of those books, but um you know they'd all do a good job setting up the park but this one is out already you know it's 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 available for you to listen to and it really does set up the ride itself um you know i was actually what what did you guys think of the of the story itself i mean it's um uh it's not just about when he arrives on black spire and set it up it's it's really about you know, his years of history with Han and Chewie and the Falcon and, you know, his multiple attempts to uh, steal the fastest
1: hug of junk in the galaxy. And each time he tries to steal it, it kind of gets thwarted. Well, not, I wouldn't say thwarted, but you know, I think, wasn't it the first time he tried to steal it? It was a stowaway thing. And there was somebody else that got on there as well.
2: And Mm. Majo, uh, that's right. Majo. Go ahead.
0: Go back a little bit. Okay. This no, that's so, fine. You know, immediately after. I mean, set us up for the novel. Yeah. Set us up, please. Well, when uh, have we
2: not, when have we not spoiled a, a book on this?
0: Okay. <laughs> you, you know what, William? That's yes, you are correct. Uh, so this is, you know, Hondo wakes up on his ship. I don't remember the name and it's really not important because it doesn't last very long. No. Uh, chased by the, the Empire crash lands on uh, what was the name of the planet? Oh, I should have it next to me and it's I don't. It's me right now. Anyway, lands on not uh, not Batu, and, you know, managed to escape into a spaceport. And he's a pirate. So, of course, he begins looking around for a ship to steal. And that's when he sets his eyes on the Millennium Falcon, the most beautiful ship in the world. Uh, We later find out time here is, a. I mean, in between episodes three and four, Han is not yet a hero of the rebellion, but he's got Chewie. Mm hmm. Post solo,
2: pre New Hope, or
0: uh, yes, yep,
1: yeah. That's
0: what I was going to say. And so he, and I know Hondo's like, okay, cool. Let's let's do this. Tries to steal a ship, fails, and that is where kind of our adventure begins. As he stows away on the Millennium Falcon as part of, uh, you know, this uh, new character, uh, Majo, uh, and as she hires Han and Chewie to do a job for her.
2: And he doesn't hide
1: for long. All of a sudden, you know, he yeah. shows himself. When is Hondo ever? hit? <laughs> well, long? but, but he had the perfect opportunity to come out of hiding because he saw something. that was like, Hey, I've got some skills that maybe you could use. Well, I mean, it was treasure. Let's be well, real. That's true. He heard the words like
2: profit profit. And he's like, I'm in, <laughs> but what's great is like in typical Hondo fashion, like he's, he, he stows away aboard the millennium Falcon and then convinces everyone to work with him or he tries to steal the William Falcon and he gets caught and he's like you know kind of like shrugs and is like sorry you know makes up some <laughs> excuse and gets away with it every single time it's great <laughs> that's Hondo for you it is it is Hondo yeah <clears throat> um, so what do you guys think of this this whole like the because like, I, I would say the probably the two thirds of the book is this first mission with Majo Right, I think they're going after the noveen rubies, yeah. is that right?
0: Um, yeah, no the yeah the I was listening to the Noveen so, rubies yeah. that are s- worth so much money. it's just you know everything yeah. hondo could ever want. <laughs> yeah, until it isn't until it isn't um, yeah, but even that mission is kind of broken up into three pieces there's mm-hmm. they're trying to get to a vault on a planet called Guangdin which is the apparently the vault planet of the Star Wars galaxy.
1: Which I thought was pretty cool. I mean, mm-hmm. that whole idea of a planet like this, where well, it's almost like did did it felt like almost a living being to get even into the vaults was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Um and so they, you know, they make work on making their way into they first have to steal a key and they go to a planet uh it's called it starts with a d. It's a very unique planet where the entire planet, the city, low gravity and the cities are all in the back of these like I just imagine them as like large turtles basically walking across the uh, uh, walking across the ground and, and they you know, are trying desperately to uh, make it and find their mark. Hondo explains his trademark skills of here's how you pickpocket someone. You tell them what you're going to steal and then you steal something else. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I
0: love Hondo. That was so fun. It's is pretty fantastic. Not,
1: can't lie. So, so, I got a question really quick on this one. Uh, what did you think of Han Solo when they get to that planet, not realizing that it was supposed to be a low gravity thing, just go walking off the <laughs> Falcon and just like what it was? He almost flew because it was so low gravity. Did that, that what did you think of that one?
0: That was, actually, Typical you know, we were, William, you were mentioning it's kind of a younger reader mm. series. There's, that was one of those scenes where I was like, okay, this is a little more geared at a younger reader. Mm.
2: Not, not like, in a totally bad way. But... Confl- not in a bad way, just as yeah. uh,
0: it's a, a... You can more, tell. Just that kind, of, that kind of visual gag, you know. Right.
2: And some of the, sometimes the plot elements are simplified a little bit more, but, like, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a bad thing. You could have some amazing stories that are aimed at younger audiences. Again, I want to stress, like, you know the Jedi Apprentice books. That that series is one of my favorite favorite Star Wars book series. Um, so you know I I I think they're amazing. Uh, and and this book kind of falls into that category. While where while some aspects of the plot are are somewhat more simplified, or or you know a little more of a a gag in some ways. Uh, to kind of you know make a uh, people laugh um the uh it's it doesn't like diminish from the book at all
1: Mm -mm. no yeah no in no way yeah but then again it was skewed to the right audience that was Mm -hmm. the thing about it exactly so
2: exactly so anyway sorry sorry Stephen. i think you were continuing to describe the
0: the oh yeah so sorry i was trying to remember what so yeah so like hondo explains his trademark stealing abilities and they find their first mark this I don't know isn't not actually that important of a character but he he's the one who has the key to these vaults that are the only way to get in is if you you know have the key everyone else gets blocked most secure place in the galaxy and so hondo of course immediately is helps and is like oh here's how you steal things and manages to uh attempts to steal the key realizes that up oh, not on uh that guy it is in fact on the guy's big bodyguard Whoa. and so I think then Han gets his probably favorite moment of the book, which is when he gets to uh, punch Hondo. Which, <laughs> you know, who wouldn't love that? Which is pretty great.
1: And if I remember correct, that bodyguard was very hairy, right? With many pockets.
0: I, I do believe Hondo makes the point of mentioning that it was a very hairy uh, creature, alien, with lots of places to hide a key like that. Oh, chewy. Yeah, then we met meet our, I guess, one of the recurring protagonists. Um, again, don't remember his name. Not as super important. Uh, <laughs> but the elephant people. And I kept thinking it was maybe like I was reading too much into it. But no, they they're described as having tusks and a really long, you know, snout and two big floppy ears. So I just pictured a human body with an elephant head on top. Just a little odd. But
2: yeah, you know, you know. They're, uh everyone needs an elephant character that's not
0: Max Rebo uh that's true. Were they the same species as Max Rebo?
1: I didn't even think about that yeah I didn't think about that either either
0: uh, I'm trying to remember
2: the, the one downside a... is like when you when you listen to the audiobook, especially when you're listening in hondo's voice and you're almost like it it almost distracts you from the plot in some ways because you're just enjoying hondo and letting the hondoness soak in that you're like, wait a minute what had just happened? You know what I, I would have to like go back and listen or, you know, try to make sure your mind wouldn't wander. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, and especially you also can't see uh spelling either. So mm. you're just trying to imagine, uh, what these, these characters are. So I actually don't remember what species the elephant like character was in this book. If they were Ort- Ortolans like Max Rebo, if they were something else, um, I honestly I, couldn't tell what you. What was sorry? What
0: what was the species for Max Rebo? Ortolans? No, I don't think it was. Yeah, I think they were right a now. new, different elephant species. Some new thing.
2: Okay, cool. You can have multiple elephant species. They don't have like the Ortolans don't have the market on elephants, right?
1: No. Sorry, <laughs> I, I'm so I'm trying. I'm looking at the species right now. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, (laughs) this is what
0: happens when we don't when William doesn't write detailed show notes because of course (laughs) it's always William's fault. No, I know,
2: not as detailed as usual. I was just enjoying the book, uh, like three weeks ago. Um. So anyway, uh, but yes, there's the uh, there's elephant species. They uh, you know, they they try to get
0: the key back. A fight ensues. Yes, we learn a lot about Hondo as uh. Honda really wants to steal the Millennium Falcon multiple times. Like, he's obsessed. There are new. Uh, he's a little obsessed, and there are numerous occasions where he's like, "I could, I could just take it right now. No one would know." Doesn't even and, I remember, well, doesn't even well, flat well, out say that to someone. In it some was, cases, yeah.
2: He's like, doesn't sorry, tell Han. He doesn't even tell Han at one point he could have stolen the Falcon and didn't.
0: Uh, he's
2: I an he honest tries doing pirate. Is like, yeah.
0: Is he though? Is he though? Tom. I mean, he, he tries. tries.
2: He tries. Uh, um, yeah, but, you know, so then, then, you know, I may be skipping over a few things. We can come back to it, but, you know, years later,
0: uh, he, well, no, no, what? We can't, yeah, you're skipping over way too. Oh, okay. Okay. okay we have to go, okay. we actually get to the vault planet first. Okay. Catch up, catch me up on cool. the whole. So, planet. oh, sorry. First. So they managed to get the key. They get back on the Falcon, managed to escape. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jump into hyperspace, and uh, uh, sorry, an important detail, the key has to be on the owner's person, because the codes change once every day uh, if the like the person's not there. So they've got only 24 hours to get to Guangdin in order to get into the vault before their key is useless. Right. Uh, and of course, wouldn't you know it, right as they're on their way, a supernova on the path from the planet they were on to Guangdin. And so this is, Han gets to showcase his piloting skills by piloting through the uh, what's, it, what's it called? The ejecta? the Whatever. You know, the stuff that comes out of a supernova. It's not very safe is the important yeah. detail.
1: I guess it's where he learned how to stay uh, far enough away from the supernova because if he bounces right close to it. Stuff happens. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a, it was a little bit rough. Honda thought he was going to die. One of many times throughout this <laughs> uh, entire adventure. But, you know, what are you going to do? He
2: yeah. always thinks he's going to die.
0: But then they arrive on the Vault Planet, uh, and this is where Ma jo, who's the person who hired Han in the first place, double crosses them. It's, it's a very sad moment because Hondo, he'd started to get you know suspicions that she wasn't the scoundrel that she claimed to be, and his uh, he is confirmed when she steals the key and off she goes.
1: Now, one thing I found about that the the planet, the Vault Planet, the snail things. That was an interesting yeah. oh, concept. Oh,
2: yes. The, one, the, the ones that, they, they uh, hid in, right?
1: Yeah, because that's how they were able to get into, because I guess it was a membrane that there was only one well, way to get inside the vault. I think you had to be that yeah, person. Yeah, there's, there's a
0: force shield, and if yes. you didn't have the key, the force shield just bounces you off of it. Mm, correct. Uh, unless you happen to be one of these large snails that just goes around, and then they just hide in the snail, and then you're apparently right. good to go.
1: Yeah, oh, you know what? Well, in to think concept.
0: of it, yeah, now that I'm rethinking through a lot of, this, I was like, okay, yeah, that's a little on the simplified side.
2: Yeah, but again, you don't it you is, don't really notice it too much as you're... like you kind of notice as you're reading. It, but I was
0: like, oh, okay, you know, it's no big deal. It's no, it it just helps. It makes the book flow faster. Honestly, more than anything. It, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um,
2: but you know, I mean, touch on those like the snails. It's it's kind of they were definitely weird because they they realized they could hide inside of them. And there was actually a lot of space inside the shell, and I think hmm. uh, I'm trying to remember now. I think Han. Hondo and Chewy, and maybe uh,
0: Majo all fit inside it's like de- one snail. It's now. just Majo at that point has escaped. Okay, Majo escape, has escaped. Yeah. I read it earlier today. Perfect. <laughs> um, someone procrastinated on there.
2: No, that's this is why I need you because I read it like a month ago now. So
0: and,
1: and I agree with William. I'm the same way. That's why I was trying to find something to try and jog my memory. A little
0: fuzzy in some <laughs> details. Well, uh, was, I am, okay, so let me, let me refresh your memory some more. Thank you very <laughs> so much. So this is. They get through the force field. The, yeah. they, they separate to try and find Majo. Hondo finds her first. And we find out that, first of all, there's no uh, Nuvian rubies inside of the vault that they're breaking into. I know, that was lie. just a lie from Majo so that she could get help. And we find out she's putting a, uh, what do they call like a, a therm- it? Like a thermo disrupt- destructor, something like that. Uh, it destroys all organic matter. And the story, the kind of the truth finally comes out, which is... Uh, she, well, you find this out momentarily later, but I'll just conclude as part of the story. She is a clone working for a, who formerly working for a Kaminoan who is unscrupulous to say the least, uh, and he has found a rare plant that can be used to make neurotoxins and uh, wants to sell it on the black market. And so uh, Majo is able to convince, convinced, wow, I can talk, uh, Hondo <laughs> oh. and eventually Han and Chewie that, nope, the right thing to do here is in fact to help you know, destroy this plant so that uh, you know it can't be sold on the black market and used as blackmail or anything like that. And there's a great line where Han's like, "Well, why is that so bad? I don't care. We're just going home." Like, what? What's the worst that could ha- happen? Han is like, "Oh, well, let me tell you what I would do with it. Well, you could sell it because you know you could inject it into an atmosphere and hold an entire planet hostage and destroy it and steal all their ships or all their money." I'm just like, "But you, you wouldn't do that, right?" Like, Han is like, nah, "You know, no." Probably not. Depends on how much they would pay me. <laughs> I don't do a very good Hondo impression, but it
1: was good enough.
2: No one does. I I tried. So actually, we had, we cut this. I tried a Hondo impression for the intro at one point, and I'm I'm pretty good at some characters. I'm not good at Hondo at all. I love Hondo. I can't
0: do his voice. Well, look, no. Hondo a very famous person. Not anyone can be Hondo. Correct. So, Jim Cummings uh, has great job job security.
1: Now, is this the first time out of all the books we've, we've read so far, this is the first time we've actually seen a reference back to the Caminoins.
2: In the new yeah. canon, maybe.
1: Yeah, I was going to say a new canon. i trying to remember. Because I don't remember, unless it's a book that we have not read, this is the first time there's an actual Kaminoan in yeah. a book that, we've, that yeah. I've read so far. Yeah, the Caminoans haven't been around a whole lot at
0: yeah. post-Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they show up occasionally in some of the Clone Wars fiction itself, but yeah. that's
1: kind of about it.
0: Yeah, we had a lot of fun it's characters. Like, it's
1: almost like this far this far in the future, so it would be this far past the Clone Wars is the first time we've seen a Kaminoan.
2: Yeah, we had a lot of fun you know, characters coming back. Uh, like There was obviously the, the Kaminoans, there was Balatik from the Guavian Death Gang, um, mm. we may touch on later. Oh,
0: where does he pop up?
2: Uh, I forget the oh, exact God, I can't scene, remember. but um yeah, you know, it's just it, I I liked how they kind of tied all these different things together. It was really cool.
0: Yeah. It was really cool. Uh, but it, you know, at the very end of the mission, uh, the kind of result is Majo, so Majo, there's another clone of Majo, then, like she's a clone, mm-hmm. I should Shocked. say. Spoiler alert. Uh, and she yeah, Spoiler. she fights, good Majo fights evil Majo, who is still working for the Kaminoan, and good Majo triumphs and is able to convince the Kaminoan that she is in fact evil Majo, and sneaks aboard a ship and sets off a uh the, the disruptor thing, whatever you want to call it. And uh, at the time, Hondo doesn't know if she ends up living or not. But we find out later, of course, that she does she in did. fact survive. Yeah. Yep. It was a good book. It's a very good book. Uh-huh. Very good book. Yeah. And, yeah. Then is that good? And then we get kind of into the second part of the story, which is uh, post episode six, but pre episode seven.
2: Yeah, I believe. Yeah, with Han, Chewie, and Maz, right? Yeah, with yep. Maz. That's yeah, right. And we get a little bit more of the, the Chewie-Maz relationship there. It's,
0: <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a little bit weird because I was you're reading through the book and I'm like, oh, this is going to be the main story. And then you're like 70% of the way through. It's like, oh, oh that's the end of that. And yeah. then they go into this kind of other side, smaller story. Uh, Ex- exactly. The yeah. The there was like, the you book. know,
2: and there's like really two two small, two two side stories. There's the, there's the Han, Chewie, and Maz story. And then there's a third one after that. And then, kind of, you know, all three of these stories are actually um, being, t- you know, H- Hondo is actually telling all these these three main stories. You know, one's like seventy percent of the book. The other two are like I don't know, ten percent of the book. And uh, the remaining ten percent is 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 Hondo in the present telling the story to Bazine Natal, um, because she was you know wanting to know about the history and well, it's actually a whole setup which we'll get to uh, we'll in a little get to bit that in a minute. But, uh, but yeah, you know, we, it, it's kind of cool to see Maz and get some of the, you know, the some funny jokes with the, with her relationship with Chewie. And at this point, this is when Hondo finally gets to, well, he rescues Han, Chewie, and Maz, and he actually gets to fly the Millennium
1: Falcon. Does he now, or did he? He did. No, he does. He does. He did. Well, I thought maybe, he, didn't he get it a little damaged?
2: I mean, didn't say yeah, he didn't Minor details. Him. He, didn't, he didn't yeah, fly I, perfectly. Yeah. But he flew it. He did, like Indiana Jones. He can fly, but he can't land. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, very good point. <laughs> uh, which is which is cool. I don't know if you have any other thoughts on on, on this shorter segment, Stephen or Tom.
1: No, like a lot of no. this stuff was
2: relatively straightforward, and we can kind of recap it in the uh, in our review, but. Um, it was a it was fun to read like I wouldn't say it's like the most uh, you know um, revolutionary story or the most like shocking story ever but it's just a fun story mm-hmm. and when you're reading it as Hondo it makes everything better. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, that's what I was. Very much say. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so in, so in part part 3 uh after years um years later again we're now after the events of the last jedi so this is one of the very few books to take place um in the present timeline of the Star Wars saga which is really cool. Uh the only other book I can think of in recent memory probably being Black Spire. It's mostly the Batu books that are that are ones that are, are current. Uh, the rest of the books will actually not be coming out till this fall. That are all set, you know, after the Last Jedi and before uh, the Rise of Skywalker. Anyway, they, um, uh, you know, with with the Resistance now um, kind of on the run and in in, in shambles, right? Uh, Chewie and and Ray, you know, Han, Han is Han is dead. Um, Chewie and Rey... Go to Hondo for help procuring parts for the uh, for the Millennium Falcon, and I can't remember exactly why they ended up with Hondo. I think Chewie's like, ah, I know a guy, right? I know someone who can who can help us and kind of stay below the radar. And uh, I have to say, it was kind of it was sad when Hondo learns that of of Han Solo's death. Like, I was almost more sad listening to Hondo learn of. Han's death than I was when yeah. Han actually died in The Force Awakens. Yeah, that
1: actually, I do remember that. That actually was, yeah. Yeah, it's a little, little on the sad side. Because
2: you could tell, like, Hondo, while well, he tried to steal from Han, he really liked him. Uh, and kind of considered him a friend.
1: Um, yeah, I think it was a one-sided friendship. Oh, yes. No, Han yeah, did not absolutely. like Hondo
2: whatsoever.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's one-sided. But you <laughs> see, Hondo, the way Hondo is, and his personality... I think he could be friends with anybody, even if that person steals from him, he'll still consider him a friend at some point.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> as long as he can respect
1: them. Yes.
2: Um, and you know we get some we get some uh, some porg infested falcon uh, here, but uh, but anyway, so uh, Hondo Hondo Tanaka agrees to help Chewie and Ray on one condition. He wants to borrow the Millennium Falcon while it's being repaired so that uh he can use the ship and its lightning fast speed to help him get Onaka transport solutions off the ground. Because he believes that, you know, if uh if he can if he can grab well, these parts and borrow He doesn't the Falcon, really tell
0: Chewy that's what he's doing.
2: Well, that's his secret plan. Yes. Chewie would not huh? have no, Chewie yeah. would not have been okay with this, especially when his real solution, you know, is to farm the ship out to other people. But that is actually how the ship ends up at Black Spire Outpost because Han, uh, Chewie, and Ray are like, okay, yeah, you can you can take the Falcon, I guess. I don't know why Chewie trusts Hondo, um, but I guess they're desperate for the parts. Uh, and and yeah, that's why. Uh, that's why he ends up with the ship. And of course, you know, when he eventually tells Chewie, Chewie is not particularly happy. Um, but you know, he's already put up, he's already put up those posters for the pilots to fly the Falcon. No experience required. And that's why we're allowed to fly.
0: It's hard to complain. Yeah.
2: So, um, you know, I think the, the, the one thing I was I guess I was not expecting was the somewhat of the the twist at the end with Did you didn't expect that? I mean I was listening to the audiobook, so I guess I wasn't I wasn't analyzing the plot super closely. Right. Um I was just enjoying it. I, I was reading
0: it and I also did not expect it, so
1: Okay, great. Really?
2: Um Yeah, so I basically and Steven again correct me if I'm wrong here. Hondo tried to sell the Millennium Falcon to Bazine. Mm-hmm. Well, he does sell He him. did.
1: Yeah, he does. He
2: sold the Falcon to Bazine, Natal, uh, and then Majo tricks her into giving the Millennium Falcon to the Resistance. And yeah. in the process, Hondo makes a profit out of the deal.
1: <laughs> and he gets the Falcon back.
2: <laughs> yes. And that's why when... Uh, and he gets the Falcon back. And that's why when... Um, uh, when Bayzine approaches him in the cantina uh, early on in the book, um, one of the sabak players had, you know, in the background, they contacted Majo so that she would, you know, show up at the right time and all of that fun stuff. So, you know, while we think he's, it sounds like when we start reading the book that, that Bayzine Natal is just kind of strolling into a cantina and sits down and asks, you know, Hondo some questions and Honda's like, yeah, I'll tell you a story. But he actually had this whole plot and set up, to, uh, to make a profit off of selling the Millennium Falcon and, and, uh, and getting it back and then farming it out to all of us pilots.
1: That's what I loved about the book. I loved how it was a total setup. And then when you get to the end and the double cross, once the double cross happens, then you can sit there and figure it out. Oh, because that's the thing that made it fun is when Bazine was kind of like, you could tell every once in a while when you're reading it, she was nervous and wanted to get up. That's when he continued with another story and in your head you're starting to go to blah, 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 back the Hondo way. Mm-hmm. And the Hondo personality started really showing itself as he was transitioning between the three stories just to keep her there while uh, Maja Rilu was in the background setting it all up. I mean, yep. I loved it. I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, I very much agree.
2: It's I mean, I, again, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to go too much into detail with this book because it right. just feels like you're, you're, you're kind of... There, right. There's not a lot of detail. No, but it's it's so well done that, you know, the... It, it's just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I It's hard to talk about in some ways. It's just such a... It, it's not a... The book itself, I wouldn't say, is the best ever, but the writing is so well done and so Hondo that it just uh, jumps end,
0: up, yeah. And at, at the end of the day, it's just an entertaining book, yeah. Right, yeah. and
1: and I think what makes the book enjoyable is for those of us who are fans of Hondo, the the writer I mean those actually of us, did Tom. well. All of us, who, everybody here. Is a there fan? no? Is who's yeah? Not a fan? Who's not a fan? okay? I'm trying to stay general, but let's just say all of us <laughs> who are fans of Hondo, because the writer was able to capture his personality and put it in a book you read the book as Hondo and that's what really makes it enjoyable. Exactly. Yep. And she did a really good job writing this book. She really captured Hondo and Aka. really did a good job.
2: Absolutely. So well done. And I, I can't recommend it. Yeah. Enough. Um, the one thing I guess I was also surprised by is there wasn't a lot of Batu in the book. Um, they did a little bit and they they made sure to hit all the you know the main shops and stuff. I've noticed this is a trend in a lot of the the books set in in galaxy's edge they they i want to make sure they mention all of the big stuff so you go there when you visit um but uh you know a lot of it is is hondo i I just expected him to be on Galaxy's edge the whole time, and you know the the scenes with Bayzine are on in on Batu mm-hmm. um but pretty much I think the rest of it is. Is all flashbacks you, to other places? Yeah,
1: you're planet hopping.
2: Yeah, which is nice too because it doesn't feel quite so, you know, contain uh, contained into one location like maybe some of the other books do. So um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know about you. I would definitely, definitely love a sequel. Just you oh, know, I more would. of Honda's adventures. I mean,
0: yeah, more Honda yeah. would be totally fine. Like Honda's story time. Agree. Like, I'll take it. I would love that.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with this. Anybody who can write Hondo that well, and then also if they can get Jim Cummings to do the audiobook, I'm in done.
2: Exactly. Yep. So, um, shall we, uh, get to our ratings? Yep. Yeah. I'm, I think
1: we're good. Ready for that. I'm good.
2: Okay. Tom,
1: uh, I've get, I give it a nine. nine. Flat out. Nice. I, I, I give it a nine. It's a good book because I have to say, because it's Hondo. The, um, the, the writer did a very good job capturing Hondo and the, the total personality. It was a fun little story. It wasn't a very deep story, but that doesn't hurt the book because of how well it was written and how when you're reading it, that's Hondo. So I've got to give it a nine. It was a very good book. And I'm going to take my nine Womp Rats And um, I'm going to see how they do flying the Falcon. (laughs) I think I'm going to put, like... Uh, The answer is going to be not well. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, there are six seats in Smuggler's Run. So I'm going to put two in the left seat, two in the right seat, two gunner, two... Yeah, two gunner, basically one-one, and then the engineer, and that means what? That's now eight... And the ninth one is going to be in the cockpit just bouncing up and down because of how wild the ride is. So, um, yeah. They're going to fly the Falcon. Two, four, six. Two, four, five, six. Eight. Yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to do the, the proper math, but yeah, nine Womp rats. Done. Nice. Easily. Nice. Um, Steven, you want to go next since you basically just finished uh, the book? I can go next. Uh, go I will also give it a
0: nine, actually. Like, it's just, it's just a solid book like yep. hondo makes everything better and uh that has never not been true that and that's all there is to it <laughs> like the book is enjoyable Hondo's is enjoyable the writing is excellent the story is simple but i think it the book works despite that um so yeah it's just it's a just enjoyable book and uh I mean, the only option is, you know, Hondo spends a lot of time throughout the book, you know, and he talks, has many deep conversations with Chewie. Actually, side note, some of my favorite things were Hondo speaking Shrewook with Chewbacca <laughs> and tra- trading Wookiee proverbs like, you know, the tr- the strength of a tree is not in its branches, it's in its roots, which is like, oh, that's that's oddly touching and deep. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah.
0: But one of the things Hondo learns throughout the novel is it's not about, he's not lonely because he doesn't have a ship. He's lonely because he's not part of a team. Mm-hmm. And uh, not to worry, Hondo, he now has nine very willing womp rats. There to you get go. His I feel like Hondo may not like that team. You know, Hondo didn't like Melch at first either. And uh, look what happened there. You know, it's it all works out.
1: It'll hey, grow on him like the Porgs. Oh, man. Exactly.
0: Oh, man. Like like Puffy
1: the uh, Puffy the Porg. <laughs> Oh, that's right. He did name Puffy, one of them, didn't the puff, he? The puffer pig, right? There's, there's Puffy, oh, the and there's pig. also. Sorry. The, oh, no,
0: one of the puffers is, uh, Porg is named Puffy. That's
1: yeah. what I thought. Yeah. Okay. And there's that's another good, one named pork. Snappy as well. Yeah. Oh, that's right, too. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Okay. William, you're up.
2: Uh, you know what? I'm going to make this uh, unanimous. Nine out of 10. Again, the, the voice acting from Jim Cummings is really what made it for me. Um, I, I could just listen to him talk forever. It was so great. Um it was so entertaining to listen to. And uh you know, I kinda wanna go back and just almost read it reread it again now. That that's how much I I enjoyed it. Um But yeah, uh can't recommend it highly enough. Love it if you're a fan of Hondo and who isn't. So I'm gonna give this nine Womp Rats out of ten. And my nine Womp Rats, well, you know, when they tried to get in the slug creature uh, there was already nine womp Rats inside, and so it's a, a little cozy in there and slimy. Uh, what's better than slimy womp Rats, right?
1: Wait a minute, you mean the the slugs didn't eat them? That's why there were nine of them inside. No, because the other yeah. okay,
2: but they, just, they live in there. That's where they go and hang oh, they out. live there. Okay, yeah, because you know those slugs, right? They follow those little lines. And actually, when Hondo got out of the ship for the first time, he tried to talk to the. To the, the snail slug creature, whatever it is, that was actually pretty funny. And he thinks like this 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 you know person welcoming him and this other character, uh, Majoo. I think it was Majo, right? It Was like, you know, that's not a real person. It's not it's not sentient. It, it just sits there and it until you get out of its way, it's not gonna move. And it just follows that little line. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So pretty funny. Anyway, nine Womp rats out of ten. Coming up on Ion Cannon, um, I think we're going to do uh, Alphabet Squadron next. Okay, I think that's our next review. Uh, it's the summer, so we're uh, you know not releasing episodes quite as frequently, but we have a very very busy fall. So mm-hmm. stay tuned for that. We've got uh, obviously the Rise of Skywalker. We have The Mandalorian, uh, Star Wars Resistance season two. There's mm-hmm. So 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 much good stuff to talk about Jedi Fall in Order. So I can't I can't wait, um, and of course a whole host of books set around and and, and after um, the the Last Jedi. So should be pretty good. I, We've lost and I
1: and I think there was one thing we may have forgot to mention at the top when it came to announcements. Uh-huh. Saturday tickets for Celebration were completely sold out. Yeah, in a oh, right. record amount of time. And on top of that, Friday tickets I think by now are sold out too.
2: Yeah, I think I think four day tickets went in because that's that's a good point. I don't think we talked about how the ticket sales went. Yeah. Uh, if if there's one thing to know by the wh- what happened post last show, uh, Star Wars is pretty popular. Um, oh yeah, Star Wars really? celebration sold out in what was it like? A I day, think a four day tickets for four hours, uh, something like that. It was yeah, long, really quick. Like before, it took days. By the end of the first day, I'm pretty sure four day tickets were gone. Yeah, they which were gone. Tells me one of two things: either the convention center they they either there's like crazy demand, which I'm sure there is, or my suspicion is that they reduced uh, the number of tickets they're selling for uh, celebration next year just because of how many, uh, how 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 much, how few space. There's not as much space at the Anaheim Convention Center. Mm-hmm. I know they recently did a bunch of renovations to make it larger, but. Like McCormick in Chicago is the biggest convention center in the entire country. And celebration was already kind of bursting at the seams. Like, you know, people look at it and you know they'll often look at the square footage and and say, Well, look, you know, there's so much space. They had all these halls they weren't using, right? <laughs> True. But if you're thinking about like the big events, uh, you know, the the big panels and stuff, doesn't matter how big of a, you know, hall you have if you don't have room for people to join that panel and you're turning away large percentages of the audience, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And, you know, they had the, um, they had the big arena, uh, which worked pretty well at, uh, in, in Chicago. I don't think there's an arena near Anaheim. Do you remember Tom?
1: There is the, there is the main arena in the Anaheim convention center. Okay. That's where it's, it's, yeah, there is the main arena at the front of the Anaheim Convention Center, and then from back, then from that point back is like flat out Convention Center. Um, and then they did an expansion when you're looking at it from the Disneyland side, and it's across the street to the left. They did an expansion by close to where the Hilton Hotel. Okay, because it used to be painted that way. So it has been expanded. Yes, but,
2: but not as big as, as McCormick. That's yeah, for sure.
1: and I've not been to McCormick, so I'm not sure. It is. Massive. I've been to San Diego many times. Yeah, I've been to uh, uh, Anaheim because of WonderCon many times. Um, so, but there is an arena because remember we were there for 15. Uh, because we were in the arena right. when we were at yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is
2: you know again Anaheim is a great location. It's just not quite the largest.
1: Yeah. Anyway, um. And don't forget to look for hotels pretty soon because the hotels, those that were available, are also sold. Yeah, out.
2: those went very quickly. Um you can try to get on a wait list uh and, and hope um that uh you know maybe you'll you'll get in. But yeah, mm. it's it's pretty uh it's
1: or, pretty or, tight. or or a big tip dig around for other hotels because I was able to get one. Very close.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know if you're if you're looking at the what the top ten list, uh, Anaheim isn't even the yeah. top ten largest um, uh, convention centers. With uh, Orange County is the uh, Orange County Convention Center is the second largest, but McCormick is is number one. Um, so anyway, uh, so there's that. Also, um, a couple of things while we're, t- while we're while we're while we're talking. Um, Galaxy's Edge, boy, they they lifted the. Reservation period, and that first day was insane, according to reports. Uh, a good friend of the show, um, uh, Ace Attorney, was there uh, on opening day. He he reported on a lot of the stuff. And sometimes the uh, the ride, the wait for the Millennium Falcon ride was as long as four hours.
0: That's crazy.
2: Yeah. I think it's gotten better now that they've implemented a virtual queuing system where, you know, they only let you people into the park in certain, like, waves uh, so once the park fills up to capacity they don't really let you in until more people leave um, and you can kind of sign up for a time it's not really like a fast pass but it's kind of like
1: swordish like a fast pass for it's called a boarding pass
2: yeah boarding pass uh for yeah. uh, for the millennium falcon so I, I think they're they're trying to to control the crowds and i've heard it's been working fairly well i have it tom have you been there recently
1: um not of late not i've been reading a lot of late and it sounds like they've got it pretty well under control um it, it, it sounds like they've got it more under control than a new ride that i think opened up in universal because somebody said that one of the roller coasters there i read it was almost like a 12 hour wait just to get on that roller coaster and from what i've read the longest i have seen or read the falcon ride it's been like 120 minutes or maybe more than that but it's never been like a 14 hour wait Mm -hmm. just to get on it so i from the sound of it from the the couple of disney websites disney fan websites i've i've read they've managed the crowds for that very well that's good yeah
2: that's good that's good yep so yeah um that's that's the latest on Galaxy's Edge and uh, uh, and Celebration, but we are excited to to go. It's gonna be fun. Hopefully, we'll get go to both Celebration and Galaxy's Edge next year. I can't wait.
1: Oh, I can't wait either.
2: But before then, before Celebration, we have a new Star Wars movie, a new Star Wars TV series a new season of a star wars tv series, a major new game, whole bunch of books. I this is, there's so much there's so much I'm I'm excited. It's going to be great.
0: We're
1: we're going to be busy again. We're we are. So
2: we're, we're taking it a little bit easier this, you know, this summer as we usually do. Um we may do a uh but we'll we'll get our review of Alphabet Squadron out soon and then we're excited to talk about Crash of Fate, Black Spire, two more Galaxy's Edge tie-in books and uh, all the new stuff that comes out starting in i think september is when the new books come out so for cool. uh rise of skywalker so it's when they start coming out at least it's gonna be sounds gonna be a like time. a plan anyway yep. thanks Lying. for thanks for joining us everyone and until next time
1: thank you for listening to the ion cannon podcast your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far far away The Ion Cannon podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.